Music. Reviews. Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. ELFM. It's radio for so much more. Welcome to Red Kite. My name is Henna. I'm one of the participants in the writing and broadcasting groups. Red Kite is a brand new Friday afternoon show here on East Leeds FM, dedicated entirely to stories by, for and about young people. After months of lockdown, what does our city, our world, look like now? Expect new music and poetry, lively banter and witty exchanges, most of it created by young musicians, writers and broadcasters, taking part in Chapel FM's summer project. Each Monday of the project, a party of intrepid people will go out wild walking in East Leeds with storyteller Matthew Bellwood. Then there are the workshops led by writers, musicians and broadcasters on the East Leeds FM team and, all being well, a broadcast on Friday afternoons, like this one now. These three shows in August are a bit of an experiment. What kind of programmes do people enjoy making and listening to? With more knowledge in the autumn, we'll be creating regular shows on Friday afternoons. In the meantime, listen out for untold stories, fresh points of view from the eastern edges of Leeds and beyond, new ways of seeing what and who we are. The Red Kite will speak. Red Kite, from Eads Leeds FM. So good afternoon and welcome to Red Kite, this first broadcast in a series of three. Uh, initially, at least, it might be more, hopefully it will be more in the months to come. Um, so you're on East Leeds FM, we'll be with you for the next couple of hours. This is a programme devoted to young people, young people's writing, music, broadcasting. There's plenty to look forward to in the next few hours. My name's Peter Spafford, I'm Director of Words at Chapel FM Art Centre and I have been uh, facilitating a writing group here online um, because we can't be in our building for obvious reasons and I've had a fantastic group of writers the last, well this just this last week, it feels like we've known each other for longer. We've got about ten of them all together but I've got five now in our virtual studio. Uh, so we've got Henna whose voice you just heard, hello Henna. Hello. Hello, Billy. Hello. Hello, Anil. Good afternoon. Hello, Lorna. Hello. And hello, Louise. Hello. It's great to have you all here. Just to underline, of course, that we, we're not in our, uh, in our building, so we are broadcasting from different, well, different places. We're, some of us are in the north of England, some of us in the south of England. So it is really quite an operation. But 
we're used to it. So we're going to be having a, a chat about things that are important to us. We're going to be reading out some pieces of writing that we've done this week on the theme of Edgelands. Uh, we've taken this theme because of the walks that we've been doing on a Monday afternoon, uh, sorry, a Monday morning, where we, where Matthew Bellwood, the, uh, the storyteller, has been leading us on wild walks through East Leeds, the perimeter of the city, the, the eastern edges of the city, looking into the centre. So we've taken as our theme for the writing, um, Edgelands and what occupies those edgelands. But um, first of all, we, um, we just, we, given the fact that we are online here, rather than facing each other in a studio, and that's been the way it's been for the last few months, we want to have a chat about kind of what's been positive about being online on online platforms, particularly for writers and our writers here in the virtual room. So Louise, can I come to you first? Has, has there been anything good about being online, not being able to meet face to face with other writers? I mean, obviously, I miss meeting face to face with writers so much. But um, I started the lockdown in Barcelona. And I suppose I already felt a little bit isolated from the UK writing scene. So for me, opportunities online have been have been incredible. Um, I'm part of the writing squad and I've been able to do online workshops. Um, I took part in the Stinging Fly Summer School a couple of weeks ago and that was awesome. Um, and the, the wonderful poetry business have been doing a lot of online workshops too. So it's really helped me feel like part of a, a wider writing community for sure. And of course we are able to have you with us, which we probably wouldn't have been able to do uh, given the fact that you're down uh, down in the south of England somewhere so that's that's been a plus for us and that's been a plus for these this summer project that we're doing which obviously includes broadcasters and writers and, and musicians as well from different parts of Leeds but and and Bradford and beyond so um Hannah how about you in terms of online have you have have there been good things for you Yes, there's been a lot of good things. Um, obviously, I'm able to do this, which is fantastic. And I've also been getting involved with lots of different things as well. So I started my writing journey through a charity called First Story. And um, that was amazing because they had to move online to continue their teaching and writing. And they did online writing workshops, which I was able to get involved with. And I went on social media and was able to share all my work each week. They were called um, Right From Home. So they're still available on YouTube if anyone is still interested in having a look at them. And I, me, and alongside my friend, um, we actually did some Instagram lives, which I would have never have done. So that was quite interesting. So I guess being live on air or <laughs> on TV or whatever is a, a bit more natural now. Absolutely. I think we've, we've all been shoved uh, by, the, by events into new ways of thinking and, and behaving and adapting. So that, yeah, absolutely. Billy, how about you? Have you adapted to online? Um, pretty easily. I mean, I've been doing a lot of... Uh, social events on Zoom uh, with a group that I that I've joined recently called Love to Meet You, um, 
and also I've been socialising with a friend of mine called Vicky uh, uh, who used to be my support worker mm. um, so, so I've been so I've been it's a chance, a chance what is it it's, it's a chance to connect with people you know absolutely chance to connect and to to meet people that you never thought you'd meet otherwise isn't that interesting so sometimes as they say in writing limitation is uh, inspiration we find ways of of transcending our situations and actually sometimes those limits propel us into new ways of being so yes connecting billy yeah absolutely um lorna how about you um i wasn't really expecting the lockdown to be sort of advantageous to my writing but it turns out i don't have to like travel to chapel fm to write with the group so i found it actually quite useful um and you still get to do the same amount of writing if anything more because you can also stay behind a bit and like talk to you after the sessions so i found it pretty good excellent and and finally anil how about you how have you adapted to um the online world in lockdown i think over the years that technology has been implemented into our work has helped a lot and i think it's been awesome because using things like zoom or skype it's allowed our creativity to continue like in other jobs we might have we've had to actually stop and not go into the office or not go into a college because of safety but through zoom and and things put in place by uh, art centers like chapel fm we've able to continue and continue working with our creativity and writing without there being any major stops so I've, it's been pretty cool for me and it's interesting that that technology was there all the time and has been there but we we've it's taken this to kind of make us aware of it and to really use it so there's a lesson in there somewhere so thanks to all of you and we're going to come back to you in a minute for some writing but first of all we're going to hear some music on the theme of Edges and Edgelands. Edges of Glory by Lady Gaga.
that was Lady Gaga with Edge of Glory, or Edges of Glory, and I reckon we're on the uh, edge of glory as well with these Red Kite broadcasts, which we're inaugurating this afternoon, the very first one this afternoon here on this very hot day uh, in Leeds. So um, the writing group have been really plunging in head first into the writing situation here. I've just got, got started. And we're going to hear some writing from them now. And um, yeah, Hannah, are you there? I am. Hello. <laughs> Perhaps you could read your piece, which is uh, it's called Sandwiches in the Sky. Yes. So Sandwiches in the Sky is basically my experience is of walking along Ilkley Moor. And uh, hopefully it comes across if you've ever been. So, sandwiches in the sky. We overlook the microscopic city below, legs dangling off the mossy edge. Toy cars and Lego buildings reach up towards us, but we're too busy chasing the clouds. We breathe in the fresh air, savouring the lack of pollution, cleaning out our clogged up lungs. I hand you a squashed ham and cheese sandwich, wrapped in cling film from the bottom of my bag. Quite literally, hot cuisine. Somehow the ham tastes better up here. Hair gets stuck in our mouths as the cold wind fights for our attention. You insisted going bar-tat, and now you've stolen my hat. You pass me an earphone, and for a good few minutes, we're truly connected. The ethereal music leaves me weightless. Finally, I know what freedom feels like. Thanks, Hannah. I was there. I was up on the top of Ed Oakley Moor. Probably with a tat rather than with a with bar one, but thanks very much indeed. Uh, and now we come to Billy, another piece of writing inspired by the idea of the edge, the edge of a space, the edge of wherever. So Billy, the last laugh. Anything you want to say about it first? Um, I'd rather, if it's all right, I'd rather talk about it afterwards. Great idea. Go for it. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here standing in the wings watching someone else be funny, smelling the old red velvet musty curtains and treading worn-out boards. I'm funnier than him. He knows nothing. He's just an amateur. That's not comedy. Using the F word to get a laugh. I used to be an amateur, but I worked hard to hone my craft, playing booze-filled, smoky working men's clubs night after night. And eventually, I became a professional. I was born a professional. I was a star. Well, I was. Years ago. I used to make people laugh. Like him. I loved doing it. People loved me. I used to rub shoulders with the rich and famous. I'm at this O'Connor. I was a member of society. I sold out theatres. Big theatres. Now I'm in some scrappy little theatre in the middle of nowhere. I'm on the edge of society. I'm not a vital part of the comedy scene or celebrity world anymore. I'm just a has-been. An old relic. A faded memory of a forgotten age. Thanks, Billy. Thanks very much indeed. Um, um, you should, listeners should be aware that Billy is a, an expert on British comedy. Uh, and uh, thanks very much, Billy. Anything you wanted to say about that retrospectively? Well, that was just about 
um, um, the 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 old school comedians of years ago who who had their day on television and are now playing small theatres. Um, they're not as successful as they used to be. Um, um, and 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 they're quite sort of and and a and and a lot of them are quite sort of sad that their time on in the spotlight has come to an end. Absolutely. Well, it reminds me of the film The Entertainer with Laurence Olivier, which was I don't know if you've ever seen that, Billy, but I do recommend it. So, Lorna, we come to you. Anything you want to say or do you want to just read it? Um, so to introduce this piece, it's just a sort of, it's a bit of writing about someone reaching the edge of the city. And so by association, the edge of safety and sort of what they know to be good and safe. So this is keep your eye on the horizon. Keep your eye on the horizon. The message my mother drills into me like, don't forget your coat or don't talk to strangers. It's good advice, as when night falls, it shatters here. The darkness bleeds into the light and drips right up to the border of the crowded city. You must stay behind the yellow line, where, from the shadows, trees can bear their claws and plants can grind their fangs and lilac eyes can tempt you to cross, but nothing can touch you. It has been this way since the otherness came. We marked our land, built our city tall, lit the whole area a startling orange, even by night, and taught our children to only go out when the horizon is distant. Outside the border is darkness and deep grumbles and growls. I stand on the yellow line now, waiting. I see a small glowing purple orb creeping into view from the shadowed side of the line, still drowned in its pitch-black surroundings. The trees have claws bared, the plants have fangs grinding, and the eye is trained on me. It is tempting me to join it in its murky surroundings, to take just one step forward, but I'm safe behind the yellow line. The eye knows this, and moves back, seemingly accepting defeat. The trees slow, and the plants become quiet. All is still and silent for the briefest of moments, but suddenly they are back, as I hear a leaf crunch underfoot. Someone has crossed the line. I turn my head. Maybe it isn't too late to stop them. But as I turn, I see a leaf beneath my shoe, where the border once was, barely visible for the dark mist enveloping my foot. A faint yellow glow on the horizon catches my eye. There's no way back. The otherness owns me now. The saying is true. Keep your eye on the horizon or it will keep its grip on you. Thank you, Lorna. Thanks very much indeed. I was saying to Lorna when I first uh, read that piece, how resonant it is in terms of personal space at the moment. We're so careful of it. And so, uh, yeah, so very conscious of our personal space and crossing the line. Thank you, Lorna. Anil, finally, before we have some more music, a piece from you? Yes. Uh, I've been um, a short introduction of a character's thoughts due to the current uh, pandemic that we're facing. I think the whole whole of Yorkshire, the whole of England is big on walking and trying to clear their mind. So my character is just about uh, to try and find a, 
find a peaceful place to collect his thoughts and it's called chaos. Why are they walking right in the middle of the road? It's not like they need to rush to their lectures. University is closed. They're not even wearing masks. I need to get away from this chaos. Not the chaos of this lively city. I quite like that. But the chaos of my mind. It starts here, apparently, does the green tree of Leeds. It's meant to take me from the heart of the city to the calm rural countryside. But all I can see is a line of unalluring takeaways, blocking up your arteries more like. Oh, and there's a community centre. Am I even in the right place? Thanks very much, Anil. Thank you for that piece. Thank you. Thanks, all, uh, thanks all of the writers for their pieces. We're going to be hearing some more uh, in a little while, just after some music from Little Bobby Dylan. so fine through the bumps of dime in your prime then you people call say beware doll you're bound to fall you thought they were all kidding you you used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out So loud Now you don't Seem so proud About having to be Scrounging Your next So you're listening to Red Kite, the first Red Kite broadcast um, here on a Friday afternoon on East Leeds FM. Plenty more to come in terms of music, writing, comment, discussion, and at the very end of the programme, a radio play from a young writer uh, at Leeds Playhouse. So a little more writing now from the writing group we're meeting this week and just turning it out for this first broadcast so well done to them for just getting stuck in um, first of all another piece from Lorna alright so um, this piece I wrote to sort of embody the edge of almost a dream state it's sort of reality possibly even death I wanted to leave it open to interpretation so this is the man in the rocking seat. It's 2.35am in the rocking seat. The night pauses to draw breath. The stars forget to wink. The moon hangs limp in the sky. In the chair, two eyes close. Two lungs fill in anticipation. One heart refuses a beat. 
He waits for her. The amber glow on the fire fades and takes a shaky breath with it. The night has entirely stopped. She has arrived. Her warm arms guide him from the chair to stand before her. She raises her fingers to his face and asks wordlessly to be seen. His eyes obey. In the muted colour of early morning, she is impossibly beautiful. In her hand, his skin cools. Slow breath stops. Blood refuses to flow. With unmoving lips, she asks once again the question she asks every night. Dance with me. His body nearly indulges, but instead he merely smiles. His skin warms under her hands, breath filling his lungs, blood pumping from his heart. He has other plans. Not tonight, my love. As quickly as she appeared, she is gone. The amber glow on the fire has returned. His shaky breath becomes more confident. The moon stands proud in the sky. The stars wink as before. The night's breath has been drawn. The impossible woman will watch him sleep, and the man in the rocking seat will live one day more. Thank you very much, Lorna. So, writing inspired by the idea of the edge, the borders between sleep and waking, between different countries, between city and country. So, we're now going to hear from Louise, and uh, we're going to hear a piece that Louise has written that is voiced by the poet and voice Jimmy Andrex. So, first of all, Louise, anything you want to say about the winemaker? So, yeah, thinking about edgelands, I was really interested in the partition of land. Um, so my piece thinks about what it might mean to look after land with perimeters um, and also what it might mean to, to be in competition with other pieces of land that might border your own. Um, it was really exciting for me to work with Jimmy Andrex, who, whose voice really brought this piece to life for me. So, Jimmy Andrex reads The Winemaker by Louise Essex. The Winemaker. What's your secret? The men from the village ask. I listen to their boots patter along the perimeters of Milland in the late tattered light. Treat each grape like it's your mother's pearls. That's the secret. The men from the village can titter all they like. They're nothing but a choir of crickets to me. Damn pests. If they spent half as much time looking at their own vines, they might get somewhere. If you don't keep your eyes peeled round here, you might as well not have them. I've got mine wide from dawn till dusk. I just stoop the brim of me hat a little deeper when the sun starts sweating in the sky. Sometimes I get so hot my eyeballs drip. But there's still work to be done. There's still the march from one end of me yard to the other, fingering each leaf, cupping the weight of the grapes in me palm. Time is a rake laid out in front of me. I know it like an old friend. I'm at ease with its silences, not pushing anything, just letting nature be. That's what the village men need to learn, how nature looks out for nature. When they all lost their vines to that dusty white disease, dandruff on their leaves, they didn't ask for nature's help. If I'd ever let them get a toe close enough, they would have seen something to ripen their minds. 
The secret is roses. Their red flags waving any speck of trouble long before it shows on the vines. Bloody as a sacrifice, those roses. The second you see their red start to spoil, you can be down there quick as a thorn prick. Then you can thank your mother's wisdom. Thank her rose eyes. And every evening, lift up a wine glass. Clink cheers with the sky. So thank you to Louise for that piece, The Winemaker, and thanks to Jimmy Andrex for voicing it. And uh, the final piece of writing we have, before we come to a final chat amongst the writers, uh, is by Billy, again inspired by the idea of edginess and edgelands. So, Billy, over to you. Uh, well, this piece is a little bit more personal than the other one, and it's about me. It's written from my point of view. I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge. The slightest thing worries me. I worry about what I say. I worry about what I do. I worry about what I think. I worry about what other people think. Or what they might think. I'm on the edge. I'm constantly anxious. Constantly doubting myself. I never feel totally relaxed. Sometimes, but not always. Other times, I'm on the edge, in more ways than one. I'm on the edge of society, because I have Asperger's and I'm socially awkward. I'm on the edge of a normal life, a life where going where I want and doing what I want is possible. Instead, I feel trapped, trapped in a COVID-19 free bubble. It's impossible for me to get out. I'm not able to step into society. I'm not able to step over the edge. I'm not able to go out or do things that I enjoy. I'm not able to go out and make new relationships. I'm a prisoner of this COVID-19 free bubble. I'm only allowed to return when it is safe. Only then will I be able to step over the edge and return to normality. Thank you, Billy. Thanks to all the writers for their contributions this week. We'll be back more uh, with more writing next week. But in the meantime, Billy's, we were talking the other day um, in the group and we realised that Billy's piece, very powerful piece there, um, raises questions about, for all of us, about how we relate to where we are, I suppose, in relation to the centre and being on the periphery. So, um, given we've been thinking about that, we thought we'd have a very quick discussion about it. So, first of all, Anil, can I come to you first? How do yeah. you relate to the idea of the edge and the centre? Um, it's... There's, there's... I just think it can really resonate to being on the edge right now, and that can be my personal... To my, if I refer to my personal self, is that this whole situation that we're we're currently experiencing um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, 
for a few for a few weeks and for a short amount of time it's it's okay to you know be working from home etc but I found that it started to evoke things like anxiety and that's because I've not been able to see friends family how I'd usually do so it always makes me feel like I'm physically on the edge and how can I bring myself uh, to feel a lot more positive and doing things like this, writing, being creative, being part of the Red Kites uh, broadcast has helped me come back down and feel less anxious around this time. Great, thanks, Sunil. And it certainly does, yeah, being part of this group, being part of something, producing something as we are now, does feel a really positive thing to be doing. Uh, I totally relate to that. So, Louise, how about you? Yeah, I think my experience of, of living on the edge is probably to do with the fact that I've, I've lived abroad a couple of times in the last five years or so. Um, and as a writer, I tend to feel, particularly when abroad, that I'm very much on the outside looking in and trying to access um, this new culture or new community or new language. Um, so it's, it's usually been really fruitful. Um, and I've, I've always enjoyed um, my experiences whilst living abroad. Um, but it, it doesn't come without uh, certain loneliness and certain, f certain feelings of, of being on the edge of something, being on the edge of a society. And it's always about trying to find your way in, whether that's through language or culture or making friends or building relationships in that place. Yes, I think a lot of writers would would resonate with uh, kind of almost like the metaphor of being on the edge of a, of a, of a culture that has another language. I, I don't know, we often, as writers, I think, feel a kind of dichotomy between being in and out. But writers, being on the outside gives us a, a kind of observing status, I think, and a, a function. Thank you, Louise. Hannah? Yes, hello. Um, so I, I always, I kind of do resonate with being on the edge and um, kind of always being that friend who used to worm their way into lots of different groups, never really knew which friendship group she belonged in. And um, there's always that kind of, when you're, at, when you're at high school, trying to find yourself, finding who you are and finding yourself on the edge and looking out and kind of going, none of these people are exactly me and it was finding myself before I found my friends and being on the edge kind of allowed me to look and, and feel and um, kind of just observe and I think that's what got me into writing as well I could observe and I could see like you said about um, writers taking a step back and observing that's definitely something that has kind of come into my writing as well. So, yeah. Great. Thank you, Hannah. Lorna, how about you? Um, so the thing that springs to mind for me is religion and the idea of when I was growing up uh, Christian, um, I was always taught this idea of you're always on the edge of being good, but you're also always on the edge of being bad. So you're always on the edge of success or failure, depending on what you do. 
Um, so, and the judgment that you get from either being good or bad or successful or a failure also leads to judgment. So that leads you to be on edge. Fascinating. Yes, it sounds like a recipe for not being quite fulfilled in, in any in any direction. But that's that. Thank you so much, Fiona. Thank you. And finally, Billy, you've 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 you expressed your 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 situation, particularly at the moment, in that very very strong poem. Anything you want to add after hearing other people? Um. Well, for me, I I. I feel, in some ways, I feel connected with the outside world because I'm, you know, I'm socialising with uh, others. But in some ways, I feel isolated because I don't see anybody. I don't, I don't physically see them. I don't actually go out and and meet like I used to. Yes. Well, it will be really nice to see you again and all the uh, other people who come into the chapel for the associate writers for other groups however good it is online and however much we've got from it thank you um to all the writers for taking part in this it's plenty to look forward to keep tuned being tuned in to to red kite music uh, discussion all kinds of wonderful stuff coming up soon in the meantime we're going to hear um some well, some sort of atmosphere from the first Monday walk we did, the first wild walk with Matthew Bellwood last Monday. So one of the things we've been, we've been uh, Matthew and I were looking at on the way through pra our practice walk was what's in the river. And we were just, we saw all kinds of stuff in there and we weren't just imagining it. Um, anybody, can anybody describe what they see in the, in the, in the stream? Houses, I think. Some debris. Some debris, yeah. yeah, down from the houses. What's that down there? Anybody recognise it? Just looking at what's in the river, Tony. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just asking people what they can see. Because actually, just see if you can find th 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 like see or name three things in there anybody um, bike scooter and rocks bike scooter rocks any other um, things that we can record people noticing in the stream oh, what are these guys over here go on, what can you see it's like a Celtic stone there, but it's not, is it? I know, it looks you like can it. almost imagine it, can't you? Part of the grave. Think Celtic cross or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Well, there's a couple of handlebars there. <laughs> handlebars. And I believe a big metal ball. Oh, yeah, like monster cam. Is that a crowbar? Oh, That's what I thought. Did it again? I was going to mention the bloody monster cam. Evil. <laughs> I thought we were friends. It's like the last paragraph of a short story that, you know, how did all these things get here? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. What? Teaspoon. Why? Some. These items are obviously connected. They're connected. You've got to connect them all. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Make a story out of them. One leaf. There's a blue pipe down there. Yeah, it does have a kind of Celtic kind of feel to it. It's probably some of someone's garden fence, isn't it? But it's uh... maybe it's just an Andy Goldsworthy sculpture. Absolutely. <laughs> Hello. They shut the road through the woods 70 years ago. Weather and rain have undone it again. And now you would never know there was once a road through the woods before they planted the trees. It is underneath the coppice and heath and the thin anemones. Only the keeper sees that where the ringdove broods and the badgers roll at ease, there was once a way through the woods. Yet if you enter the woods of a summer evening late, when the night air cools on the trout-ringed pools, where the otter whistles his mate, they fear not men in the woods, because they see so few. You will hear the beat of a horse's feet, and the swish of a skirt in the dew, steadily cantering through the misty solitudes, as though they perfectly knew the old lost road through the woods. But there is no road through the woods. And that's a minute. Minute silence in the woods. There we go. Were we mourning something there? Because I was laughing all the way. I don't think we were mourning anything. Just sort of. No, I just listening. Just listening really. it's what, what? When you want to hear them, so they don't do anything. And then you get loads of construction work. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're, cut, they're cutting down the forest. It's like it's like being in the Brazilian woods and hearing the uh, Bolsonaro with his. Johnny, what did you hear? Uh, three distinctive bird calls. Um, I think it was a wood pigeon. Uh, just uh, 
I was trying to hear if they were responding to each other like the last time. Grand. If you get it right, they'll answer you. We all just shut up and So, can I just, what, what did people notice when they were listening? Yeah, the wood pigeons, absolutely. And I think the birds were really performing for us there, actually. It was lovely. <laughs> there was some, some over here, some, some just above us. There was something flicking through the tree canopy above. I had, a, I had a bee or something just went right past my ear at one point. Anything else? Go on, Larry. Oh no, I did. I was. Just <laughs> <laughs> any, 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 any thoughts? Any questions? I noticed yes. the butterfly over there. Mm -hmm. Did you see what colour it was or anything? Sorry. No, but like I didn't realise it was there. Cause it wouldn't be if we weren't silent. Yeah, there's quite a lot of different butterflies. That meadowy area that we passed through, I think, is quite rich in, in butterflies and, and moths and things like that. And I guess I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's in the beck at this point. I know further down there's supposed to be crayfish, and wow. um, I, was, I remember saying his dad used to tell him about those uh, living in the beck. And I know that the, in the 70s there were some American signal crayfish were brought over for the restaurant industry, and they carry a kind of fungus on their claws, and some of them escaped into the British waterways, and they've become a real problem now. And I think the native crayfish uh, are not immune to the fungus, and so they've nearly been wiped out. So. There's various places in Leeds where the, the water is clean and clear enough for them to live. One of which is Ascot Hill, which is the next bit of the walk. Um, I've not seen any in there, but I think if we got down amongst the rocks, we might find those in the water and they might be up here as well. So. What would you say we're on the edges of here? Can anyone describe what, we've, what we're seeing? I'd say it's not really an edge place, but you've still got like, the metal of this running through it. You know, You can still tell. That you're in the city, that you're in a public place, that you're not, you know, there's still a path running through it. So for me, it isn't really on the edge. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Maybe that is the edge though that you're sitting mm, on. True, possibly. Oh. We've kind of come a little bit further into the woods, but we're on the edge of the meadow as well, I guess. That there's a very clear shift in the way that the, the landscape is here when you come into this sort of canopied area. What I noticed walking along is how, how nice it was to be actually walking with a group of people and just chatting to people and going along, going along at the same time. I thought, oh, I'm missing all this silence and all these wonderful pigeons. So it's nice we, 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 uh, we stopped. Brilliant. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
Shall we carry on with our... Yeah, it's rubbish, isn't it? Tied under a table? Yeah. Yeah. Protecting, protecting survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Drink your water, sufficient to last. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs>